0: Hey, everyone, it's Jesse. Stick around after the closing music for an update on the second story we discussed during this episode. Jesse single. How's it going? It's good, Katie. I'm home outside Boston for Thanksgiving. We're recording this on a Wednesday, and I am mad that your side of the country's bullshit is infecting my side of the country.
1: What bullshit is that? I mean, there's it, you could really be talking about anything.
0: I could. I will say you guys have sent us some good stuff like sushi and nirvana. Can't complain about that. But I was going t- to a coffee shop to do some work, as one does, and I passed by a church. And there's this like over the name of the church on the sign. I'm pretty
1: sure churches started on the East Coast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's very true. There's this little sign that says... We acknowledge that name of church sits on the original homelands of the Massachusetts and their neighbors the Mashpee, Aquinnah, Wampanoag and Nipmuc peoples. We acknowledge the painful history of genocide and forced removal from blah blah blah. As always there's nothing about like so we're giving the church back to them.
1: Of course not. I wonder if those are the actual the actual tribes that were on that particular land. And it, there's always the thing where like if they if in a land acknowledgement you mention lots of different groups, you're you could be talking about like warring tribes that massacred each other. There seems to be no no uh, no contention for I, that. I'm going. By the way, I think this started in Australia. So, oh, because yes, it's very thing. much a West Coast thing, but yeah, I, I believe that it started in Australia.
0: I'm no expert, but I'm going to uh, assume that it's safe to say that the Massachusetts tribe indeed inhabited Massachusetts.
1: But did they inhabit that particular plot of land where
0: the church was? That co- they would work at this coffee shop in Brighton. Uh, yeah. yeah,
1: they were various. There is a website you can go to that will tell you. You put in like an address, and it tells you what whose land you're occupying but there's a big disclaimer on it that's like we're not totally sure about
0: this (laughs) uh it it, there is a little bit of like the noble savage trope embedded in this just in the assumption that whoever was there that they fairly occupied the land right Uh, right
1: (sighs) uh speaking of uh of occupying land jesse i want to read you a tweet from the women's march we deeply apologize for the email that was sent today $14.92 $14.92 was our average donation amount this week. It was an oversight on our part not to make the connection to a year of colonization, conquest, and genocide for indigenous people, especially before Thanksgiving. And during Thanksgiving
0: month. During Thanksgiving Pride Month.
1: <laughs> <laughs> fourteen ninety-two, Amazing. Did
0: anyone pull up what the email actually said?
1: no I thought that this was a I thought that this was a joke but I don't think that it is I have not seen the email floating around I am not on the women's March mailing list I'm surprised that you're not
0: I wish I was they kicked me off because I uh, asked too many of the women out <laughs> uh, what is the name of this tired and soon to be stuffed with food podcast
1: This is Blocked and reported and I'm Katie Herzog.
0: I'm Jesse single and Katie a big chunk of today's podcast is going to be taken up by everyone's favorite subject, let's say it on the count of three, one, two, three, pedophiles. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> uh,
1: yes, we're going to be talking about pedophilia. You are going to be leading this segment, thank God, I don't think I have it in me, uh, to, to lead another segment about pedophilia. We are also going to be talking about a very weird subculture, reborn dolls. I don't think that you know what that is, but you will soon. And before we get to that, I have a little update from our furry correspondent. Ooh. Okay, so people uh, may remember a few weeks ago we did an episode on a conflict between furries and NFT minters. Um, so listen back into that if you don't know what I'm talking about. This is an uh, this is a message from our, our furry correspondent, Tracing Woodgrains. The war between furries and NFT bros has reached new heights. A furry had the brilliant idea of turning a set of furry NFTs into a collage of someone right-clicking a mouse, playing off the, ha, I right-clicked and saved your NFT, now I owned it. I'm going to send you this picture, Jesse.
0: Okay. So the basic joke here is that NFTs, these are pieces of art that you can prove ownership of via the blockchain. But of course, anyone could also just like copy an image of it.
1: Right. All right. So I just sent you uh, this tweet. Why don't you describe this?
0: Yeah. So it's just literally this giant mosaic with 52,000 retweets. That's fairly rare of just a hand <laughs> right clicking presumably to do copy or save as
1: yeah yeah and so it's the the like little we'll put a link to this in the show notes but the mosaic is made up of nfts so it's a big it's a big fuck you to nfts so in response to this an nft guy right clicked and saved a bunch of furry profile pictures to create a collage of his own it's uh, the collage of pepe the frog flipping the reader off and sold it for ninety five thousand dollars, he then got hit with a DMCA takedown notice from a bunch of furries. But we do have a picture of this, uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, we have one saved, so I'm gonna post this uh, in our chat. Jesse, check this out.
0: <laughs> it's yeah, it's Pepe. The... <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Less than one hour to go on this bundle. hundred unique furry FPS in one. It's just Pepe the Frog in a top hat and like a Victorian gentleman's over. Oh no, is that like a? <laughs> It says says lawsuit material, sue me. Oh my God.
1: (laughs) So this was unfortunately, uh, he had to take this down. We'll post a link to the archive in the show notes. But the point is, the war continues.
0: Okay, so he had to take down the real thing. The tweet is still up. Yeah, we'll include a link to it. Yeah. And if you don't know what you're talking about, that's good, and you shouldn't look into any of this.
1: No, you should go back and listen to our episode from a couple weeks ago about furries and NFTs because this is this is important knowledge. There should be you should have some brain space, like forget calculus to to, to absorb this stuff. It's
0: super important. Uh, all right, so this just the phrase "reborn dolls" fills me with disgust. So I think I'm not going to like this. But <laughs> tell, tell me about this controversy.
1: Okay, so you are not familiar, I take it, with the reborn doll movement.
0: No, and the fact that. Reborn dolls is like a phrase that's legal to utter, suggests that <laughs> society is in decline.
1: Okay, so reborns are hyper realistic dolls. No, nope,
0: are, <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no, nope, nope.
1: cancel. They're don't like, want. Like, picture like a very high quality, like Japanese, like nope. sex doll, nope. except <laughs> that it's a baby and you're not supposed to fuck it. Okay, so they're designed to look and feel as close as possible.
0: Wait, hold on, I just want to flag something for the, the, uh, Twitter account barpod no context. Picture <laughs> something that's a Japanese sex doll, but you're not allowed to fuck it. Okay, continue.
1: Okay, so they're hyper realistic dolls that look like newborn babies. There, some of them are slightly nope. older. But... <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Why? Why? This is the question. So, some of th- they're. There are various different types of people who get into this. So they're – like the vast majority of them are women because once again, this is not about fucking the dolls. This is about like coddling and raising the dolls. Yeah, And they're popular among like oftentimes women who don't have babies uh, but who want babies and (laughs) –
0: That's a relief. They're popular among women who have normal babies. They're not popular (laughs)
1: among women who have normal babies. Okay. No,
0: I know. I'm saying it would be – that would be bad. Okay.
1: And sometimes like there can – like it can be kind of wholesome like a guy got one for his grandmother with dementia. Like that was sweet. But oftentimes – and then sometimes it's like women who like miscarry or lose a child and they're used to help them with grief or like empty nesters who are just sort of bored and want to relive the old days. And sometimes it's just like weirdo. (laughs) Like, like it's just a fucking weird hobby that people have. They get it. They like, they make them. They make YouTube videos. Of course, there's a very robust YouTube culture around this. So, Jesse, I'm going to send you a video here of (laughs) of one of the more popular reborn baby artists, because I think that's what she is. This is a woman named Kelly Maple. The one that I'm that uh, we're gonna play is called Reborn Baby Poppy's Morning Routine. Kelly Maple is the artist. It has almost a million views on Twitter. Jesse, just uh, watch the first thirty seconds of this.
0: Oh no! I have such a bad feeling about
2: this. Hey guys, welcome back to my channel. So today we're here with little baby Poppy, and she is sleeping currently. No, no, it looks exactly like I a fucking baby. Off, so it's, a it's dark in here. You only have the natural light no. coming from the window. But we are going to wake her up and do her morning routine for you guys. She's wearing the cutest little sleeper right now. So while she's still asleep, I'm going to go and prepare her bottle. So when she wakes up, I can feed her because she gets super hungry when she wakes up.
0: Okay, why don't you describe it? It's literally just, it looks like a baby sort of asleep with its arm flayed out cutely. But you know it's not cute because it's not a real baby. Oh, and she's like moving it and it looks so real. Oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> why? Why?
1: What why does this exist? Okay, so so Kelly Maple, the woman who makes these videos, she's a young woman. She looks like she's probably in her like early twenties, maybe late teens. She isn't the sort of like the person I would imagine who is really into newborn dolls, but this is just totally based on like weird stereotypes in my head. Like, here's a comment on this page. I think if you had a real baby, you'd be an awesome mother. And she says, oh, thank you. I can't wait to have my own baby in the future. So I think she's just a young woman, and this is her hobby.
0: And she's probably... With 1.81 million subscribers on YouTube, we should say. uh,
1: Right. And some of her videos have like 10 million views. So I think she's also probably making a tidy pile of cash doing this. And, And so as you can tell from the video, she isn't just like, she doesn't just like make baby and then put baby in a corner or sell baby. She like has a morning routine. She has videos where she's feeding the baby, where she's like burping the baby. She talks about how she has to get up in the night to to like take care of the baby. So it does seem a little psychotic, but ultimately like Harmless, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe you were going to get to this, but it just reminds me of some of the conversations among like traditionalist subcultures online about like you know the the whole sort of the the Liz Brunig argument that I don't know how explicitly she said that, but she's obviously in favor of people having kids earlier, and there is this belief that women, and this is my world completely. Like my 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 tribe has kids in their thirties and later, but this idea that like pushing child rearing and having off forever is bad and like lowering it's impossible to talk about lowering birth rates without someone thinking you're being racist but just literally as a statement of fact that like a lot of in a lot of developed countries birth rates are going down like what does that mean about society this to me when i watch this video it seems to like touch on all those questions
1: so you think that this is like a like um an unconscious desire maybe sure i'm sure it's not unconscious you think that this shows like a deep desire to have actual children
0: or at least a fascination with it and a way to like play act that without taking the forever life changing step of having a child. Does that make sense to you?
1: It, yeah. I mean, it still seems sort of, it's basically like playing dolls, but in a very, very realistic way. And as an aside, there's an offshoot of reborn dolls called Were Pups. Have you ever heard of Were Pups?
0: That sounds familiar, yeah.
1: Okay, I'm going to just send you Uh, uh we're going to just going to visit werepup.com real quick so, so you can get a picture of <laughs> so you can see what this looks like.
0: Werepup? Oh my god. It's <laughs> It's called the, the original quote real werewolf baby. Okay. Oh, and the guy holding it is so creepy. <laughs> okay. So,
1: how would you describe just like look at it at, like go to a like a random werepup. How would you describe this?
0: Well, it so it has sort of the physical dimensions and proportions of human baby, except with, with giant feet cuz it's a werewolf. It's a werewolf. It's, it's a, a werewolf a were- baby. It, yeah,
1: it's werewolf. It's like hyper realistic werewolf babies if werewolves existed.
0: It so, doesn't look like a it doesn't look like a fake werewolf baby. It looks like a real werewolf baby.
1: Yeah, one of them on this website has a little penis. It's very strange. Like they're like they're like all over their faces. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this is an this is an offshoot of a uh, of, of of reborn dolls. Are wear pups. We're not going to talk anymore about those, but I highly recommend people go to this website, wearpups.com. Okay, so to get to the story that we're going to talk about today, now that we're all familiar with what reborn dolls are. So, of course, as I mentioned, there's a robust YouTube culture around this particular hobby. And one of the more uh, prominent reborn artist YouTubers is a woman named Stephanie Ortiz and she's who we're going to be talking about today. Ortiz, Ortiz or Ortiz? Ortiz? Ortiz Ortiz. Ortiz? Ortiz. We've had how is it spelled? <laughs> o R T I Z. Yeah, O R T I Z. <laughs> what did <laughs> I say? S-
0: why are you you're such a smart person but you and names <laughs> just do not mix. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just I see faces, I don't see names. Okay, so this story starts in July of 2029. Stephanie Ortiz, Ortiz. She she puts up a YouTube video called "Tea Time" in all caps, and in the video she explains that she feels as though she has been snubbed by the Rose Doll Show, which is basically an expo with like booths and stuff um for reborn dolls. And she's a creator, and the doll it's like so. This video, I'm not going to play it because it's like frankly kind of boring. What you see is her. You don't even see her face. There's like a hand with markers. She's like, like writing. She's like, the booth is seventy five or like seven hundred and fifty dollars, and she writes seven fifty in the marker. And I get two booths because of how many dolls that I have. And she writes like times two. So it's her doing a little bit of math. Anyway, so she's pissed at this at this expo, the Rose doll show, because of like the high prices, and she's like very prominent within the community. And she doesn't feel like she's being treated well. She hasn't been given given any given any like special privileges because she brings people into this show and they aren't accommodating her, and they're charging her all this money to be there. Okay, so so she calls them out and she commits to starting her own reborn doll show. So this was in July twenty nineteen. In September, she posted another video. And in this video, she says that someone messaged her and told her to look into who owns the Rose Dolls show. And so the the it, the, the expo is sponsored by, possibly owned, I'm not sure actually about the connection, by a company named Bountiful Baby. And Bountiful Baby who's is who we're going to talk about today. So this is a company that sells parts for reborn dolls. So you go to their website and it's like, you can buy arms, you can buy legs, you can buy baby heads. And It is owned by a couple named Nevin and Denise Pratt. So Ortiz gets this message and she starts digging into the company and in
0: this Wait meeting- wait, wait okay, 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 okay. Yeah. can we can we not gloss over the fact I have the website pulled up. Okay. This is a baby this is a website where you buy fake baby parts. Yeah. That's what it is. I feel like like you just glossed over that. This is so creepy.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it is. All right.
0: Sorry to interrupt.
1: Okay. So this company is owned by this couple, Nevin and Denise Pratt. And so in her video, Ortiz says that she got a message from somebody saying, like, look into this company. And so she starts looking into the company. And she finds that they're affiliated with this church called the Latter-day Church of Christ, also known as the Order, also known as the Kingston Clan. So basically, are you with me so far? <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like this started from from fake babies and it's just somehow <laughs> getting weirder rather than less. Just luster. wait,
1: dude. Just wait. Okay, so so the, so we're just we'll call it the Kingston Clan for the purposes of this show. But it's basically I
0: as as you, the listener, know them, <laughs> the Kingston Clan. <laughs>
1: So it's basically an offshoot of fundamentalist Mormonism. There is the fundamental – like the FLDS church. This isn't it. It's a different offshoot. Uh, it was started uh, in the early 20th century by a, a Mormon named Charles Kingston who left the mainstream LDS church when they stopped practicing polygamy. So yeah, you, you got it, Jesse?
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm with you so far. Okay.
1: So what she's saying is that the owners of this company, Bountiful Baby, are members of the Kingston clan. Got it?
0: Okay, and okay, the Bountiful Baby is a company that sells baby parts and has some affiliation with this um, with the rolls, yeah, with the with the expo, the expo designed for the fake babies. This company is owned by people that might have a connection to this fringe church.
1: You got it. Okay, so in this video in September 2019, she claims that the orch—I'm sorry, she claims that the press are part of this church, and she she's basically like, look. I'm not going to do business with this company anymore. I'm not saying you shouldn't do business with this company anymore, but I just want you to know that this is, that this is who you're doing business with. This is a company that, that like practices polygamy and they treat women poorly, basically. Got it? Okay, so what do we know about the Pratts? Are they members of the church? We be- we basically don't know anything about them. Um, we definitely don't know if they're polyga- polygamists themselves, but they were named in a two thousand and seven lawsuit in which a sixteen year old woman, a sixteen year old girl, who was born into the Kingston clan. Sued four hundred members of the church, including the Pratts. Um, part of her claim was that her father tried to force her into marriage with her uncle, and she eventually fled. Uh, fled the church. That's a whole other story. But this woman apparently, uh, her dad had eighteen wives and two hundred children. Okay, so the Pratts then sued her, this teenager, for defamation.
0: So this sounds like the Pratts at least are a part of this church if they got sued by someone
2: within it.
1: I want to be extremely careful about what you and I say on this podcast because these people are litigious. So Stephanie says that she has some pretty compelling evidence about this, that they are in – that they are in this church. She has a website where she like sells her dolls, but she also has has a, a page on the site that's all about this legal battle that she's in with the Prats because after she put out this video accusing them of, of being in this church, they sued her for defamation. Okay, so... On her, on her website, she has a video of Nevin, of what she says is Nevin Pratt preaching at the church. So it does seem like there's some sort of affiliation there. But once again, they sued her for defamation. They sued this 16-year-old for defamation. You and I are not saying that they are members of this church or that they're polygamists at all.
0: Well, hold on, Katie. I, I think as a podcast, we are making certain factual claims about this family.
1: No, we are absolutely not. (laughs) No, we are not. We are are presenting the evidence that other people – We are telling the story of what other people are alleging about this. You and I are making no complaints. No,
0: I'm saying I've heard the evidence. I've I've decided personally.
1: I'm going to run this by a lawyer. Then I'm going to cut this out. (laughs) Okay, so Stephanie has been talking about this now for three years, despite now two lawsuits from the press. Jesus. And she has become very obsessed with this. And so if you go to her YouTube page, you see a bunch of her reborn baby videos – and they the titles like a mother's love and nursery tour and like I watched one this morning where she was uh she fed a baby and then changed its diaper.
0: Mhm.
1: <laughs> it was a dirty diaper. Wait, how... She so she changed Wait, so it. she
0: put fake shit in the diaper? She
1: Yes. And then she got it all over the place. It was like all of her fingers. It was like on the the changing table—it was a whole thing.
0: But but to okay. reiterate, this is not this no no sickos involved here. It's just a weird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so she has these videos—a mother's love nursery sports nursery tour. And then they're interspersed with titles like What Doll Company is Part of a Cult? (laughs) This one called You Can't Take My Freedom, Alleged Cult Leader Bullying YouTuber. And it starts out with a promo for this limited edition sign, pictures of her with her reborn dolls. And there's like, they include like glitter in the box just to show some appreciation. And then she and her wife. Or uh, in the video talking about how bountiful babies dolls are modeled into real kids born into the Kingston Clan, <laughs> and then it cuts to a promotion of a doll they're selling on Patreon, and then it jumps into a scene from an A and E TV show about the Kingston Clan. Um, okay, so so her pages is worth checking out. We'll put we'll put links in the show notes. Uh, like at one point in this video, she's talking about the lawsuit just in this room full of dismembered doll heads. <laughs> okay, so. Oh my god. So when you go to her website, she has this evidence that they are a part a part of this clan. We are personally not speculating on this because we don't have a lawyer. <laughs> We're not doing this, Jesse. We are not. I will disavow you if the press come knocking. Okay, so, but she does have these claims. So here here's a paragraph on our website. Nevin and Denise claim that they are not part, part of this cult, lots in all caps, but they have alleged ties to it. Nevin is number 79 within the cult. He is order man number 79 under Paul Kingston's church in Utah. Denise's younger sister is Linda Coons, the teenager who married Tom Green, not the actor. This one is a pedo who marries children.
0: Okay, so now that we're getting a lot more specific, I just wanted to reiterate what Katie just said. These are not claims we endorse in any sense. These are just what was said by a YouTuber. We're talking about.
1: I'm just straight up reading from her website. Uh, She continues escaping polygamy. So this is the documentary. There's this A&E TV show called uh, called Escaping Polygamy, and they did an episode on the Kingston Clan. Here's what she writes. Escaping Polygamy also features Bountiful Baby in the show, and the show shares Bountiful Baby as a Kingston-owned business. Why isn't Bountiful Baby suing A&E, the ones who created the show? Showing Bountiful Baby in it, their van, a box with Bountiful Baby... On it, and this is why I wanted to redo this part. Rolling Stones also wrote about the lifelike dolls company being owned by the Kingston. Why is Nevin and Denise Pratt not suing Rolling Stones?
0: Rolling, wait, you want to <laughs> just redo that? You said Rolling Stones. That's exactly
1: what she writes. Oh, write what she writes this over said. and over. No, she thinks that I think she thinks that Mick Jagger is like writing articles about about the Kingston Clan. <laughs> Oh, um, that was a reference to when she says Rolling Stones, she's talking about a 2011 article uh, published by the magazine called Inside the Order, One Mormon Sigurd Cult Empire.
0: So from the point of view of someone who follows this woman on YouTube, it's this weird doll stuff. And there's still some of that, but it's interspersed with an ongoing, potentially defamatory campaign against this church she thinks is involved with a – Like a convent, an expo that she felt slighted at.
1: Yeah, you basically got it. So she does have some support. There are at least two former Kingston Clan members who were in the the escaping polygamy show who have come out and like supported her. Um, But obviously, like these people are very litigious. One of them is also being sued. Okay, so since this all started, there's another thing that's been going on, which is that Stephanie Ortiz has jumped far down the QAnon rabbit hole. So in addition to accusing this the people who own this reborn doll company of, of being in a cult, she also has like posted accusations of like the Pope eating and raping children, celebrity meat, whatever that is, Pizzagate, you get you get you get the picture.
0: Also defamatory.
1: <laughs> right. So Stephanie has become, as you can imagine, a very polarizing figure in this community. Some people hate her. Some people think that she's a joke. And there's a ton of drama within the Reborn doll YouTube community. Anyway, um, members of this community have made, for instance, a few memes and uh, gag gifs, you could say, based on her. Um, So here's an example. Jesse, I'm going to play you a little video of Stephanie talking about... Uh, some of the microaggressions committed against her by this community.
3: So, something happened, uh, this person, and I know who has done this, created a sexual item, an item that would not be your normal thing that a lot of people would use, I would say. It's a very, it's, it's a plug, so we'll just put leave it there, okay? It's a plug. They took this, they created it, they made it say, look like it appeared on my website is where they found it. They took my tattoo from my arm and they photoshopped it on the material saying, I am selling this. So all of this information was sent to me. And in this information, Kelly Maples comment is in there. Kelly Maples in there. There's a lot of other people in there that had been commenting. I had now been faced with a position that I had to send this all to my attorney. I do send my attorney a lot of stuff, especially when it comes to people calling me a cult leader, um, things that can just be, you know, defamatory towards me, or that can, you know, where people put words into my mouth that could cause me trouble, and the other party say I did it.
0: So they took her. Okay, so they they posted an image of a butt plug, making it seem like it was on Stephanie's website, and the butt plug contained. Her tattoo on it.
1: Yeah, she has this tattoo. It looks like it looks like a like a sort of stylistic, very artistic, like seventy nine. I that's what I think it is. It, it looks like a seventy nine. It's on a butt plug, <laughs> and, and she has this somewhere on her body. But yeah, so they photoshopped it and made it look like she's selling butt plugs with her tattoo on it. They also did a ball gag one.
0: In the background, as she's making this complaint, are literal chubby baby legs hanging from hooks. Which sort of, to me, like, I don't know, robs her of something. But (laughs) we're we're pretty far down that (laughs) rabbit hole.
1: Yeah. So she also says that she sent this to her lawyer. But if you go to her website, to the legal page on her website, or like the legal fundraising page on her website, she notes this. We are now defending ourselves after paying the attorney $10,000. We decided it was in our best interest to fire him and defend ourselves as he cared more about the plaintiffs than us. So...
0: (laughs) It's always always a good sign when you you fire a lawyer to just take it on yourself.
1: Yes. So this concludes the saga of Stephanie Ortiz Ortiz, the Prats, and the Reborn Dolls. She is still being sued in federal court and now representing herself. So um, good luck to her. And once again, we endorse none of these messages. We are just telling the story.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so as of now, there's still pending litigation between these crazy people. Yes, there is. Yes. The um. That is such a weird subculture with the babies, especially like it's just sad oh, yeah. when you think about like in the States, I think it's definitely gotten harder to raise kids unless you have a lot of money and like not just like pushing it off because like your your social circles don't have kids till later, but like pushing it off because you can't really afford it. It's really sad.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's something about this that is very bizarre, uh, also sad. It seems sad from the outside, but you know what? We all have weird hobbies, you know?
0: yeah a lot of things seem sad from the outside right
1: right and clearly this brings these people lots of joy or at least uh entertainment and the rest of us can enjoy it vicariously
0: a curated illusion of joy
1: any questions jesse
0: well no just a general fuck you for <laughs> this. <laughs> understandable yeah no no i do appreciate it i guess all else being equal i'm glad i know about the fake the super realistic fake babies. I um I recommend people check out the YouTube videos in our links because it's sort of hard to describe how real these babies look. <sighs>
1: I mean, I'm I'm myself. I'm I'm partial to the wear pups. I think I might uh, ask for one for Christmas. They are like they're like four hundred bucks. So. These things are. Cheap. I can almost yeah.
0: like see if you're gonna pretend to raise a doll. A wear pup is much more interesting because like who gets to do that? Yeah.
1: Well, so in some of these videos, like they have videos where they take their—I don't know if people do this with the wear pups. I hope that they do. Uh, but these reborn dolls, people take them to like the store and shit. So it's like Kelly Maple will be like taking the babies to Target. You can like see people react to them.
0: Jesus. So so it, so if you go to Target <laughs> like over Thanksgiving the holiday, it's probably that like nine of the ten people you see with babies in in carriages—they're just fake babies. Yeah. America. It's, this is just like a. a What's that? What's the film where no one can have kids anymore? Children yeah, of men. Yeah. It's, Maybe we're already there, but so many people have these fake babies, we don't realize it. You
1: know, I think the only thing to do, the only way to find out is just when you see a baby in a baby carriage, you got to poke it, see if it moves. That's
0: what I do. I start to just antagonize the baby and see if it responds. <laughs> Are you real? I, Prove yourself. I was with a couple of friends last night who have a. Um, a kid who recently started daycare. A real one? As far as I know, it was asleep when I was there. I just I brought them over some takeout. But um, they got a call from the kid's daycare that he had just begun biting people. Ooh. Yeah. He's, a,
1: he's in a kink,
0: huh? <laughs> and, right. And then they called back and they're like, no, no kink shaming.
1: <laughs> You'd think that Brooklyn preschools would be a little bit more...
0: Open-minded. Well, this is I'm, I, this is outside Boston, but they. Um,
1: oh, that explains it. Yeah.
0: Anyway, I'll I'll leave it at that. I don't know if I am supposed to share that. No, no, no one will be able to. Share that. <laughs> <laughs> Just using my friend's baby's lives for, for podcast content. Let's move on. Housekeeping: You can always reach us at blocked and reported podcast at gmail.com. Our subreddit is reddit.com slash r slash blocked and reported. Twitter at the bar merch barpod org. Most importantly. Blocked if you become a primo, a premium subscriber, you get at least three extra episodes per month. Just yesterday, well, Tuesday, by the time you hear this, we published one on this crazy fight among libertarians in New Hampshire. That was Uh, a fun one. It was fun. As as the title of the episode indicated, libertarians can be completely adorable. So that's what we talked about. And that's the kind of stuff you'll get if you become a primo. Primo. Join us. Blocked Katie. It's been too long since we talked about pedophilia.
1: Dude, I I just – let me take a nap while you do this show. Just wake me up
0: when it's over. So um, this week's pedophilia controversy – Involves Alan Walker. Uh, They are non-binary. That's why I'll use the they pronouns. Assistant Professor of Sociology and Criminal Justice at Old Dominion University. That's a public university in Norfolk, Virginia.
1: I'm surprised it's public. It sounds like a private school.
0: It does. Old Dominion. Yeah, there are some public universities that sound – well, like Rutgers is public. And just like a university with a name like that, you sort of assume to be private. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Before getting into the details, we're going to have to revisit the term MAP or minor attracted person. Big sigh. I, yeah. And why there's disagreement over the use of that term. So Katie, what's what's your understanding of where the term MAP arose and why some people use it instead of pedophile?
1: Okay. There's a lot of, uh, I think, misinformation about this term. So to find out the origin of it, I turned to some actual pedophiles. Um there's a group on Twitter, we'll post a link to this, uh, they're called Before You Act, so it's like an advocacy group to try to get uh, people to address their, their attractions to children before they actually act on them. And, um, and uh, they have a Twitter thread about the origin of this term, minor attracted person. And I'm just going to read you a little bit. The first usage we're aware of is by Heather Elizabeth Peterson, a freelance journalist who first used the term minor-attracted adults, later abbreviated, abbreviated as MAAs, in a 1988 article in the Greenbelt Interfaith News. The term caught on. And when Before You Act was founded in 2003, we also used it. We transitioned to minor attracted adults in 2007 in recognition of the fact that MAAs often realized that they were attracted to children or adolescents younger than, than, than they themselves before they were adults. So that's why they say minor attracted persons, not minor attracted adults. And then they go on to explain their own, uh, why they've embraced this term. And one of the reasons here, and I've heard this from clinicians, is that the term pedophilia is a very specific clinical term. It refers to people who are attracted to pre-pubescent children. So there are different different subsets of this particular paraphilia, pedophilia specific to basically children, and then uh and then hebophilia and bifilbial whatever the other terms are they are they are specific to different age groups along that spectrum yeah
0: so like he he hebophilia this is from the internet hebophilia is the strong persistent sexual interest by adults in pubescent children who are in early adolescence typically ages 11 to 14 and like partially developed so clinically if you work with like sex offenders or minor attracted persons or pedophiles, whatever you want to call them. There are important clinical differences between someone who is really just interested or mostly interested in like five-year-olds versus people who are mostly interested in 12-year-olds. It might seem like nitpicking, but if you talk to sex researchers and clinicians, like it's not because that sort of bears on the guidance you give them and like what situations they should stay away from and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. And so there is some pushback on the- So basically it's an umbrella term. From what we know, attractions are something that we're born with, and we don't know why some people have pedophilia, but there's a very big difference between pedophiles who just have this attraction and don't act on it and child abusers who might be pedophiles or may not be pedophiles who abuse children.
0: Yeah, sort of further complicated things. There's a subset of of men because they're almost all men who will – sexually abused kids or teens, but who who that's not like their preference, their primary attraction. They'll do it sort of opportunistically or because they're like deeply antisocial or they can't find a girlfriend their age or boyfriend their age, stuff like that.
1: Right. So there's- Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah. Even within- Yeah, this is something to talk about uh, around the table this week. So even- Even among academia and uh, in clinical practice, there is some controversy over this term. There's a clinician named Michael Cito who he uh, prefers the term "child attracted persons," which I kind of think is a little bit more evocative, at least if nothing else. But also doesn't you know they're like I don't know this shit's complicated.
0: Sort of distinction within, whereas pedophile doesn't technically. Well, I guess child-attracted person wouldn't technically apply to a teenager. Yeah. I mean, there, these some of these terms are interchangeable, is the point some of them aren't.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that's where the term comes from. It's an umbrella term used to describe everybody on the spectrum with this particular paraphilia.
0: Okay. Yes, very, very useful. Thank you. Back to the present controversy. Again, Alan Walker, assistant professor of sociology and criminal justice at Old Dominion University. Walker, uh, in June of this year, had a book published by the University of California Press called – a Long Dark Shadow, Minor Attracted People in Their Pursuit of Dignity. I'm reading directly from the publicity material. Using data from interview-based research, A Long Dark Shadow offers a crucial account of the lived experiences of this hidden population. I have not read this book. You have not read this book. I think approximately zero of the people involved in this controversy have read this book, but it appears to be a series of interviews with minor attracted people uh, who are trying to not violate the law or to hurt kids. This might creep you out if you are new to the subject, but this has long been the goal of, of sex researchers and clinicians, there's been a turn away from sort of punishment and stigma, although everyone's still in favor of punishing people who actually offend, and a turn toward trying to get people to talk openly about their desires in clinical settings to work with them to make sure they don't offend. Do you think I I captured that trajectory correctly?
1: Yeah, I think that it probably – I'm sure that there are more maybe like fundamentalist uh, sides of the debate who – who disagree? Probably even in in uh, in academia and in clinic clinical settings. But yes, broadly th- broadly speaking, I think that is the state of the debate. People are more and more, um, well, some people more and more likely to recognize the difference between pedophilia and attraction to children and child abuse, which is acting on it or not even acting on the attra- on the on the attraction but abusing children.
0: Yeah. So okay, Alan Walker's book about this subject. It's published. Uh, according to Walker's own account, it doesn't get a huge amount of attention at the time. But then on um, <laughs> on November 8th, Katie, unfortunately, um, we're going to have to bring back a recurring character. While I go kill myself, can you re- remind everyone who Noah Berlatsky is? God damn it, Jesse.
1: Okay. Noah Berlatsky is a writer. He is also – Quote air quotes. <laughs> he writes takes. We answer every question that you could, would possibly have about Noah Berlatsky in an episode about Noah Berlatsky and pedophilia.
0: Pedophilia. We
1: will uh, we will post a link to the show notes. But long story short, he is a he's a very polarizing writer who recently took a job with a Prostasia, which is an organization that uh, advocates on behalf of pedophiles. Is that fair? Is that a fair way to to uh, describe? Persia.
0: Yeah, they I mean they advocate on behalf of non-offending pedophiles or, or maps yes. or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And and we're not going to revisit that. We ba- so basically Noah recently was a subject of a big outrage campaign claiming he was a pedophile. We went through this in great detail. Anyone can listen to it. Uh, you should listen to it. We'll include a link in the show notes. We came to the conclusion that there's there's definitely some evidence that his takes about like parents being oppressors are dumb, but that it's pretty unfair to call him a pedophile. Now, the sort of interesting context here is Noah is literally one of the worst people I've encountered on progressive twitter like just a really shitty human being to a lot of people who will do whatever he can to attack his enemies including spreading falsehoods about them so it felt weird that we were effectively defending him cuz he's gone after both of us and i and we should be clear about the power dynamics here he's not um there's no way to say this without sounding like a douchebag but he's not a particularly influential figure in progressive writing except that he antagonizes people and baits them into responses but he re- he sucks but on this occasion he was he was done wrong, and we said so. So
1: yeah, which is actually the worst thing we possibly could have done to Noah Burlatsky was defending.
0: Yes, so we got to be in the right morally while continuing to harm him, which was the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like vengeance by defending someone. <laughs> <laughs> Noah Burlatsky is the unofficial third host of Blockton Reporting. Also taught Katie and like our work on detransition was inspired by stuff he told yeah. us in private.
1: You know, I was thinking, like, a, a way to, like, really fuck over our enemies. Once a month when we, we read the names of our our, our top, top-tier top patrons, and I was thinking we could just, like, slip in Noah's name into that. Noah and a few other 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 people.
0: Yep. Not patrons. Substack. Oh, I'm sorry. Primos. Primos. Our Primos. Okay. So November 8th, Prostasia, this organization, posts an interview between Noah Berlatsky and Alan Walker. And I'm going to drop a little audio here. In the interview, Walker explains their use of this term MAP. So um, my first question was, you know, even the title of your book is pretty controversial, right? Because the subtitle is Minor Attracted Persons and Their Pursuit of Dignity. And many people are concerned that the designation of Minor Attracted Persons or MAPs um, suggests that it's okay to be attracted to children. Or they're worried that the term suggests that pedophilia is a sexual orientation,
2: um, which they worry is a slander on LGBT people. Um, so could you talk about why you use that term in the title and throughout the book? Absolutely. And thank you so much for that question. Um, I use the term minor attracted person or map, uh, in the title and throughout the book for multiple reasons. Um, first of all, because I think it's important to use terminology for groups that members of that group want others to use for them. Um, and map advocacy groups like before you act, um, have advocated for use of the term map um they've advocated for it primarily because it's less stigmatizing than other terms like pedophile uh, a lot of people when they hear the term pedophile they automatically assume that it means a sex offender uh and that isn't true and it leads to a lot of misconceptions about attractions toward minors Um, I've definitely heard the idea that you brought up, though, that the use of the term minor attracted person suggests that it's okay to be attracted to children. Uh, But using a term that communicates who someone is attracted to doesn't indicate anything about the morality of that attraction. Uh, From my perspective, there is no morality or immorality attached to attraction to anyone because no one can control who they're attracted to at all. Um, in other words, it's not who we're attracted to that's either okay or not okay; it's our behaviors in responding to that attraction that are either okay or not okay. Uh, and I want to be extremely clear that child sexual abuse is never ever okay. So, so that's the
0: justification for using the term "map." Again, Noah Berlatsky, I cannot like overstate this: that among progressive Twitter two online types, he's he's the worst. But in this particular case, if I'm being honest. I thought this was a pretty interesting and well-conducted interview, and he did ask Walker the sorts of questions their critics might ask them. And what it comes down to is that if you talk to people whose goal is to work with pedophiles or MAPs or whatever you want to call them, the stuff Alan says reflects some fairly mainstream beliefs about how to prevent sex abuse – in this case, in the case of Alan's book, some of the insights are coming from the population themselves rather than researchers. So some of the stuff in the interview is just common sense, like not put having maps put themselves around kids or making sure other adults are around if they're going to be around kids. I've talked to clinicians who work with pedophiles, and this is the kinds of stuff they will tell them. This might come across as alarming, again, if you're new to the subject and don't aren't familiar with these sort of alarming on its face idea of sitting down with a pedophile and talking to them. How are we going to make sure you don't hurt kids? But that is like actually what happens in this world, right?
1: Yeah. And and once again, the goal as always is to make people – to help people to not offend. And there are rules and laws and policies that have made this really difficult. Like I've, I first heard about virtuous pedophiles or as he calls them, gold star pedophiles from – uh, from Savage Love, maybe 15 years ago. And Dan Savage was talking about the difficulty that people who have these attractions have in getting help. Because in some places, if you go to a therapist and you say, I'm attracted to, ch- to children, not even I have acted on that attraction, but just you say that you're attracted to children, there are mand- mandatory reporting laws um, that could get you in trouble with the law. So this is, And this is obviously – Not helpful (laughs) when you're trying to get, you know, trying to help people avoid avoid some sort of attraction stigma, shame, things like that. You're more likely to act on it um,
0: if you can't get help. The other thing is that there's certain aspects, especially in the states, of the sex offender registry, and there are laws that effectively drive people to like live under bridges or to shack up with other pedophiles. But yeah, because if you can't live within a few hundred feet of a school. In many cities, not
1: even a few hundred. It can be thousands of feet.
0: There's just like nowhere for you to live, and well, obviously, you don't want pedophiles going to a mall and hanging out around kids. Like the physical proximity of school, given how pedophilia works, and given that it doesn't usually involve strangers, doesn't actually keep someone safe. Probably does increase the risk of pedophiles offending because you're putting them into very. Non tenuous living situation. So that's another example of something where, if you're unfamiliar with this, you're like, "Who could be against a sex offender registry? It's keeping people safe, but it it might not do that."
1: Right, and there are other examples of the sex of people being put on the registry for like, you know, an 18 year old sleeps with a with his 15 year old girlfriend, or her 15 year old boyfriend is on the registry. The registry should be abolished. It like we don't have evidence that it actually prevents abuse we do have evidence that people get wrapped up in it who really shouldn't be on it and that it can absolutely destroy your life
0: okay so back to the the interview between alan and berlatsky uh in the interview like i mentioned alan says they didn't get much pushback to the book nothing loud so november 10th four w which is this uh gender critical feminist website i guess is is accurate um they published an article with a photo of Alan Walker and a photo of their book along Dark Shadow headlined, quote, non-binary, end quote, university instructor calls to quote destigmatize, end quote, pedophilia. And uh yeah, it just it just sort of includes a link to the Prostasia Foundation's tweet on this interview. Prostasia tweeted this out November 9th, and uh you know, basically just raises the alarms that, that Walker is trying to destigmatize pedophilia itself rather than, you know, individuals so they'll feel they can talk about it.
1: Hey, Jesse, let me just – before we move on, let's just – I, I want to read a few headlines on, uh, on 4W so people can sort of get the gist of what this site is. The, the tagline is fourth wave for women. So fourth wave feminism, I guess. Uh, here's one. Trans-identified male creating fictional sissy child porn. Baby used as breastfeeding prop with male and disturbing binary shifting art. Here's another one. Harvard hosted BDSM tutorials, anal and uh, anal and orgy workshops. So it's it's like it's outrage mongering in a lot of ways. Yeah, fodder.
0: Yeah. I and I guess they would say, well, it's outrage, that's part of this ideological movement we don't like. I just I've I've tried to when I write about this stuff, like focus on policy stuff and what famous people are doing, there's obviously a lot of weirdos on YouTube. I'm not sure blowing them up. I mean, this goes back to like, yeah.
1: Well, we just did do 30 minutes on, uh, on Reborn
0: Dolls. <laughs> yes, but this was a YouTuber with 1.1 1. 1 million followers. When you look at the stuff they blow up, like, I don't think we would do this about, maybe I'm wrong, but like a YouTuber who had like a couple thousand views I don't know. I guess it's weird. It's a question, right? Because, like, it's all technically fair game because it's public, but I just, I'm not comfortable finding weirdos online when we have weirdos in any sector and then using that to make an argument about like self ID or the trans I I just I don't know I think it's sort of like the Andy No thing
1: where Andy Noe despite yeah. the fact that he does do some good reporting and has scooped major outlets and can do very good work he also will take the the mugshots of people who are like obviously meth heads who are arrested at some Antifa protest I mean people with like no fucking teeth in their face who have face tattoos and just like look terrible, look like they're having some personal problems, and put their mugshots up on Twitter for his, you know, million followers or whatever. It's that sort of it's that thing, which I'm opposed to.
0: So I assume because 4W posted this article, uh, a snippet of Alan talking in this interview with Berlatsky was posted on libs of TikTok. And this is really where the outrage Got going. Are you familiar with libs of TikTok?
1: Uh, how could I not be?
0: It's a it's a Twitter account that basically just posts stuff designed to make liberals and the left look bad. Often it is liberals. Melting down or saying bizarre stuff on TikTok, like land acknowledgement, shit like that. And again, from our like
1: non, like like purple haired, yeah, uh, twenty five year olds, oftentimes.
0: Yes, and again, our I think our argument is like it's okay to make fun of land acknowledgements. I would not use my Twitter account of a hundred and five thousand people to blow up a named person making a land acknowledgement because I just don't think that's the right way.
1: Well, and they have. Like, oftentimes, the people that they're blowing up will be teachers. They have gotten teachers yeah. fired.
0: Is that true, that teachers have actually been fired? Uh.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at an article from uh, the Metro Weekly, a paper in California, it looks like. And this is about a you, – you probably saw this one. This was the teacher. She said that she took an American flag and um and hid it from her classroom and then put up these, like, trans flags and told – the students that if they wanted to pledge, they could turn and uh, they could pledge to the LGBTQ flag. So Libs of TikTok. Blew this up. I don't think kids should have to say the fucking pledge in the first place. And this is no, something. Yeah,
0: I think that's the right attitude. That you can do it if you want to. Although even there, having it be a school sanctioned thing, I'm just I'm not comfortable with that because of the social pressure. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, even when I was a kid, like my sister and I refused to stand for the pledge when we were in
0: elementary school. This is
1: like it's weird
0: to me. That oh, this I did school. it with every. I did it yeah. right along with every other conformist. <laughs>
1: Um, okay so so she was removed from the class I don't know if she was fired but she was at least suspended over this so so this is what this this account does like it some of it's funny but oftentimes it's like I don't know I, for me I just think there's a real hypocrisy of And I'm not saying that libs of TikTok has ever been like, we're anti-cancel culture, but you see a lot of people who talk about cancel culture and the problems with people being fired for their political views who also share these videos. And sometimes it's hard not to share them because they're really good, but you shouldn't share them.
0: There's been a thing since like the peak of Milo Yiannopoulos of spreading video of like, there's this one video I remember of this like, overweight female college student, like screaming and sobbing because she was worked up over some political bullshit. And it's just like... Again, would any of us at twenty have wanted our worst selves blasted off to out to a million people? I just really think people should resist that urge. And yeah, Libs of TikTok does a lot of that. They have four hundred thousand views. They got a very positive shout out from Joe Rogan yeah. on his show. So
1: yeah, once I, I will also say, however, I do think oftentimes like I think these teachers are fucking stupid to put this stuff online.
0: Oh, dude, that I mean, yes. At, well, oftentimes they're recorded by their students. Yeah,
1: I mean in this in this particular video of the woman who uh, who was talking about the flag, she, this was like her own TikTok account. Um,
0: I mean that the her lack of self preservation instincts are startling. Yeah, course. I mean that's just and yeah. uh, you you need to understand what can happen if you put stuff online. That doesn't mean I want her life ruined over it. And I'm sure by now they figured out who she is and harassed the shit out of her. Um,
1: did you know that libs of TikTok is uh, run by a woman?
0: No, it has a very masculine energy.
1: It doesn't. It's surprised. Okay. So, the, the although
0: account, trying to ruin someone's reputation is, is pretty very mean, girl. Very to, mean yeah. girl.
1: Yeah. There, it is sort of, I, I was surprised to find that out. And then I was sort of ashamed at my own surprise because, yes, of course, women can, can run outrage TikToks too. Uh, but yes, apparently it is run by a woman.
0: So, the way their tweet goes, they say, this non-binary assistant professor at Old Dominion University is trying to normalize the term "MAP" (minor attracted person). Includes a clip of Alan Walker explaining that, like we've said, there are actual reasons you might want to use the term "MAP." It isn't decided; there isn't a consensus. But on both the grounds of accuracy when it comes to folks who are attracted to adult, uh, to pubescent teenagers, and you know, uh, stigma reduction, if you're working with. Someone from that group, you you might want to use the language they want to use. So it's not insane. This is presenting it to a big audience hungry for red meat, as though it is insane. Um. So I really do think this is what kicked off the controversy. The tweet, when I last checked, had it's got to be more now, but five and a half thousand retweets, eleven point five thousand quote retweets. Kiersey Alley chimes in outrage. Ted Cruz chimes in outrage. Glenn Beck chimes in outraged. Someone says. As president of Old Dominion College Republicans, I will do everything in my power to try and get this pedo fired. There's that famous aversion to cancel culture. James Lindsay, quote, retweets it, simply saying this person is a a groomer. They accuse Alan Walker of being a groomer.
1: You know, there are – I've made a few mistakes in my life. I think none of them I regret as much as at one point defending James Lindsay. The dude, like, we should do a whole fucking episode. No, he
0: shouldn't. He is
1: no, we shouldn't. He's like, I'm even like, I like, don't even want to criticize him on Twitter because he will quote, "We treat it." He'll call me a groomer, and then thousands of his minions will come into my mentions. It's not that dude has gone off the fucking deep end, and I feel very bad for, uh, for Helen Pluckrose, who's lovely, has now written, who is lovely and like wrote a book with the guy, and he is just off the deep end.
0: Lindsay also posts a photo of. Walker, Alan Walker, doing some sort of talk in front of the words "understanding resilience strategies among minor attracted individuals," and again, you can be an asshole and just present this out of context to an audience you know will be outraged by it. But if you're in in like the world of of, of uh, Walker's world, where you're trying to figure out how to help these folks not hurt kids, it, it, there's nothing crazy about trying to help them be resilient in the face of having this attraction they don't want to act on. So Lindsay also wrote understanding groomers and the direct connections between queer theory, comma quote unquote, comprehensive sex education, pedophilia and grooming in government and private schools. So he's just doing everything he can to bring the hammer of like unhinged online outrage down on this one fucking relatively powerless professor. And I I think that's gross. And I think if you want to disagree with the term map, there are probably ways to do that. But this is not the way to make that argument.
1: Yeah, I think you're right about this. And so what happened?
0: Well, I just want to linger a note uh, for a second on like, Lindsay has really gone crazy more broadly. At one point, he quote, retweeted a story about a book in a high school library called Gender Queer and said, quote, Do not let them spin it. It's pornography for the purpose of grooming children. This is a groomer. This is like evangelical Christian style propaganda.
1: Yeah. And James Lindsay got his start, as far as I know, in like atheist circles. And he does he has become this, it seems very fundamentalist. He's just like absolute disgust with anything queer. I get that some of the shit's annoying,
0: but Um, he also went after one of one of Alan's colleagues, uh Alan Walker, with a tweet reading. Alan Walker didn't work alone. Who is Vanessa Panfill and why is she a sexual predator disguised as a scholar? Referencing a co-author, you know, of so now he's accusing James Lindsay, the guy who hates liberal overreach and progressive overreach, and he hates presumably cancel culture, is, is now calling someone a sexual predator because they co-authored a paper with Alan Walker. It's just, it's really disgusting. And it. You can't call yourself a liberal. So, like, if you're if you're a liberal and you don't want people fired over bullshit, there's a strong argument to be made that some aspects of the progressive movement have gone a little bit crazy. Where I think we agree with him on that, but you can't then try to get people fired for their fucking academic associations.
1: Absolutely not. I mean, just the like 180 just from a few years ago with him just seems really remarkable. I'm looking at his Twitter right now. He uh, th- he t- he retweeted the New York Post. There's an article, Daddy Caught Kissing Santa Claus, a New Postal Service Commercial. So there's a commercial for the Postal Service, and it's a little bit gay.
0: In Norway, I believe it is. I saw it earlier.
1: Here's his comment, Honk. He's like, this is like borderline homophobia. What happened to this guy?
0: I forget who came up with the idea of audience capture, but it's like when you first start to express – you know, heterodox views or criticize the left, you will get a flood of people thanking you for speaking truth to power. And a subset of the, a lot of them, to me, in my experience, are just normal, normally Obama voters who and Biden voters who just think some stuff has gone a little crazy, but a subset of them are a bit conspiratorial. And they're the ones who will egg you on to write more and more radical stuff. And I think if you're not careful, you can sort of get fully captured by your most like Ideolo- ideologically ardent readers or listeners, and it can lead you down a, a Lindsayan uh, rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, and it's really unfortunate, not just for his own reputation, but if Lindsay actually wants to like make the world a better place and like help address the fact that there is increasing uh, illiberalism on the, the side of liberals, this is the worst fucking way to do it. You're just giving people ammunition to not take you seriously. Okay, Jesse, so to review – Alan Walker does this video with Noah Berlatsky, 4W picks it up, Libs of, of TikTok picks it up, James Lindsay picks it up. What happens next?
0: Ted Cruz, back. Yeah. <laughs> Kirsty, Kirstie Alley. Um, yeah. So here's a statement. This is where it gets like even more depressing. November 16th, uh, about a week after the outrage really got going, Old Dominion puts out a statement. I will read it in its entirety. Old Dominion University has placed Dr. Alan Walker on administrative leave effective immediately from their position as Assistant Professor of Sociology and Criminal Justice. Reactions to Dr. Walker's research and book have led to concerns for their safety and that of the campus. Furthermore, the controversy over Dr. Walker's research has disrupted the campus and community environment and is interfering with the institution's mission of teaching and learning. I want to state in the strongest terms possible that child sexual abuse is morally wrong and has no place in our society, said ODU President Brian O. Hemphill, Ph.D. This is a challenging time for our university, but I am confident we will come together and move forward as a monarch family. I guess that's like the mascot. The actions we are taking today are motivated by our obligation to maintain a safe and conducive learning environment for our students, faculty, and staff. So, yeah, Alan Walker effectively got removed at least temporarily, from their teaching position because of this online outrage.
1: This is illegal, right? This is a public university?
0: I don't know. I assume, and I honestly haven't looked into that part of it, I would assume administrative leave gives them some leeway to temporarily remove them. But yes, Alan Walker, as a public university instructor, has more protections than at private universities – Yeah, Walker is on the tenure track, but that means they're not tenured. Um, So I don't know the exact situation in terms of the, the protections. But one thing that really jumped out at me about this statement was, first of all, to say we're putting a professor on administrative leave because an interpretation of their research caused chaos on the campus or put them in danger, that basically means anyone who makes a big enough fuss who gets offended enough about someone's research can create that kind of climate on campus and and get the professor sort of removed temporarily right
1: yeah absolutely it's the the heckler's veto
0: yeah it's a heckler's veto it's sort of a, a moral hazard problem so i don't know i don't know why you would want to fucking broadcast that that that's the standard you're going with but then this quote I want to state in the strongest terms possible that child sexual abuse is morally wrong and has no place in our society. First of all, thank you, Dr. Brian O. for taking that very brave stance that child sexual abuse is wrong. I had, until I heard him say that, I was like, oh, is the president of Old Dominion going to come out in favor of child sex abuse? Like that was, that was a tenterhooks moment. What makes this really disgraceful is Hemphill is taking the completely uncharitable interpretation of Walker's work, which is that they are, Somehow not disgusted by child sexual abuse or in favor of it, which is a complete distortion of Walker's actual position. And then, in the state, anyone who reads that statement will think that's what's at issue here: is this professor at ODU in favor of child sex abuse or or, or wants to destigmatize child sexual abuse? You don't need to be as brilliantly intelligent as James Lindsay, for example, to understand the difference between destigmatize the process of someone talking about their attractions and destigmatizing actual child sexual abuse. The whole point of the destigmatization argument, whatever you think of it is to prevent child sexual abuse. So I thought this was like a really disgraceful performance on the part of this hemp guy. And this is a textbook example of a violation of academic freedom. I mean, what am I missing here?
1: You're not missing anything. And I think that everybody who, especially James Lindsay, who blew this up, should really be ashamed of themselves. I mean, this researcher did nothing wrong. I mean, I personally wouldn't talk to Noah Berlatsky under any circumstances, but other than,
0: <laughs> that, yeah. that's what they should have been removed from their position for. But
1: other than that, this person did nothing wrong. I mean, there are like, I mean, there are elements of their, of their like queer studies research field that I find pretty stupid, but. But <laughs> none of them are in the service of abusing children. This is just not what it is.
0: On October 17th, the Washington Post ran a news article about it, uh, complete with a photo of students. This is so depressing. Student protesters with speak for those who can't and protect the children signs. And the president, this Hempel guy is again quoted, this time saying... Many individuals have shared with me the view that the phrase minor attracted people is inappropriate and should not be utilized as a euphemism for behavior that is illegal, morally acceptable and profoundly damaging. It is important to call pedophilia what it is. He doesn't even know what the term means. The term minor attracted person does not refer to behavior. It refers to an attraction. That's the whole point. And again, he is muddying waters in a way that really just gives red meat to the people attacking his university and his researchers. The lack of any sense that he should be protecting this junior scholar is disgraceful. I keep using that word, but that's all this is.
1: No, I think you're right. I mean, I would be—so do you remember the Thomas Hubbard case uh, from last year? Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is like a whole can of worms.
1: Yeah, yeah, we won't go into it too much, but this is a professor in Texas, and similar sort of thing happened. Basically, uh, rumors circulating about the nature of his research and things that he believed. A lot of it misinformed, and this dude was literally hounded out of his house. People were showing up outside of his house. There's just this. There really is this panic right now over, you know. Over like pedophilia or maps or whatever you want to call it. You can see it on the QAnon side. You can see it in people like James Lindsay. They're doing the same thing. Like, the real, they're, they're, like, child abuse is real. It should be addressed. But, but trying to stifle people's research on how to prevent it isn't going to help anybody.
0: Yeah. This has been a really depressing thing. Um,
1: one thing I did I did notice was that I was surprised to see that Jezebel covered this, and I do have a theory about why Jezebel would cover this because I don't think this is generally the sort of like in their wheelhouse, and I think it's because Alan Walker is like queer trans.
0: Yeah, I could. I think it's partly because there's a sense that Walker is getting attacked for being trans, and and some of the attacks clearly focus on the fact that they look like a. Social justice warrior, like a stereotype of one. That's clearly part of it. And I think, you know, like four W putting non-binary in quotes, stuff like that. Hey, um, anything else on this, Katie? Any other questions?
1: Well, I'm just curious about how this is going to end. I mean, it does not seem like Old Dominion has a uh, has like the law behind them. I'm, has fired? Has fire come out and said anything?
0: That's a good question. I don't think so yet. They 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 should. This is definitely in their wheelhouse. The only. I don't want to speculate, but I think a lot of organizations stay away from anything involving uh, pedo stuff, or in other cases involving trans stuff, just because it gets so toxic. But this is definitely a fire friendly case, so I hope they do come out. If it, um, you know, it, it could be Walker is reinstated right after Thanksgiving break. There could be a good outcome like that. But I, I will keep an eye on it for sure.
1: And once again, if people want more information about this, uh, all the science behind pedophilia, what maybe causes it, how best to prevent uh, child abuse and other things uh, we will put a link in our show notes to our big old episode about it
0: thank you everyone for listening hope you had a good Thanksgiving uh, and definitely check us out blocked and dot org if you're not a primo yet a lot of good stuff on there this has been blocked and reported I'm Jesse Single and remember it's still pedophilia even if the baby is a hyper realistic doll
1: and I'm Katie Herzog and also remember we definitely do not think that Nevin and Denise Pratt are in a polygamous cult and anyone who says so is lying
0: Hey, guys, it's Jesse again. So after we recorded this episode, the Washington Post and other outlets reported that Alan Walker will be resigning at the end of the year. They'll be spending the rest of that year on leave, and then they're done at Old Dominion University. So the campaign against Walker was successful. Uh, You can probably imagine how Katie and I feel about this. Maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more in the next episode, but we just wanted to give you that update. Thank you and hope you had a good Thanksgiving.